Only let your way of life be worthy of the good news of Christ, that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your state, that you stand firm in one spirit, with one soul, striving for the faith of the good news, and in nothing frightened by the adversaries, which is for them a proof of destruction, but to you of salvation, and that from God. Because it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer on his behalf, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. If there is therefore any exhortation in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any tender mercies and compassion, make my joy full by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one accord, of one mind, doing nothing through rivalry or through conceit, but in humility each counting others better than himself. Each of you not just looking to his own things, but each of you also to the things of others. Philippians 1.27 through chapter 2 verse 4. Welcome back to my Bible study podcast. I'm Brian, and today we're going to talk about rejoicing in our Savior, living lives worthy of the gospel and of being one in Christ. We're continuing to talk through the books of Ecclesiastes and Philippians. Last episode, we covered Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We talked about the futility of pursuing things out of jealousy, envy, greed, and pride about how living a life chasing after those things falls short and fails to deliver. This episode, we are finishing Philippians chapter 1 and starting chapter 2. Here, Paul will continue to speak to the church members at Philippi with joy in Christ and joy of their pursuit in Christ. He will implore them to live lives worthy of the good news of Jesus, even though that will mean suffering and persecution at times. He will press upon them the importance of doing life with others and in humbly serving them. And he will call for the body of Christ to stand as one body whose common cornerstone is Jesus. It might be a hard word for us to faithfully follow, but it is a fulfilling pursuit, one that will not be fruitless and it will not be futile, but rather provide lasting joy and eternal peace. I pray that these verses would lift our heads toward the unity that can only be found on the common ground of the hope of the gospel. That we would be encouraged to press forward toward living lives worthy of Jesus, filled with humility, with service, with love, grace, fellowship, and compassion. I pray that we would see Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, but also as an example of how we are called to live as a disciple of Jesus. Let's dive in. Only let your way of life be worthy of the good news of Christ. Though whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your state, that you stand firm in one spirit, with one soul, striving for the faith of the good news, and in nothing frightened by the adversaries, for which is them a proof of destruction but to you of salvation and that from God. Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. 
So through most of the first chapter, Paul has underlined how awesome Jesus is and how joyful just the name of Jesus being uttered is for Paul. He's talked about how as long as he remains living, he will be living for Christ, because living for Christ is the most amazing and the most consequential thing that he can do. We don't really get a true pivot here, but instead we get what is really, I think, the next logical step. If Jesus is worth everything, and Paul declares that is who we are to live for, then how do we go about doing that? So in light of our vertical relationship with Jesus, how are Christians called to live out our horizontal relationships with others? Well, Paul declares, only let your way of life be worthy of the good news of Christ. The New Living Translation says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. So we are called to interact with other people in a way that remembers they are made in God's image as well. And that as Christians, we are called to be a witness for Jesus to all people, not just the people we like or the people we get along with. Bo Hughes says that these few verses are the heart of the entire letter. That Paul wants them, in light of the pressure of the fragmenting culture around them that's tempting them away from unity, to instead walk in a matter worthy of the gospel by standing and striving together in unity and in love around Christ amid the culture that is constantly opposing them. In verse 27, Paul says that this is what he wants to hear about God's people at the church of Philippi, that they are standing firm and faithful together for the gospel. I can't stress the last part enough, standing firm and faithful together for the gospel. Like if you know your Bible, you've memorized your denomination's faith pillars, and you follow all of the like quote-unquote important religious laws, yet you push aside community, you isolate yourself from other faithful believers, and you decide to go it alone, then you are not living a life worthy of Jesus. That is not a life seeped in the gospel. Like you cannot live a life representing the good news of God's plan for redeeming sinful men through the blood of Christ without community and without mission. Let's be real for a minute. Our adversaries, the adversary, they just love it when believers are fractured and petty and at each other's throats. That's what they want. That's what they use to isolate us from reaching the lost among us. It's our inability to come together for the thing that is of first importance, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins that he was resurrected, that he is the only path to eternal life with God, that he is coming back again as judge, and that he has called his followers to love and to share that news with the whole world. When we unite behind that message, Paul says two things happen. One, we won't be frightened by the world. And two, our adversaries, they're going to be reminded of their ultimate destruction. The gospel of Jesus Christ overcomes the world, and when we rally together around it, then we can strive forward in boldness and unity and live lives worthy of Jesus. Because it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer on his behalf having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Philippians 1, 29 and 30. So recall that Paul is writing this letter from a Roman prison cell. 
It's not a happy place to be, and it comes with hardship and with suffering, but Paul wouldn't trade it. He is spreading the gospel and worshiping Jesus and writing to the churches he's planted. He understands that his life, the good and the bad, the victories and the hardships, they are all a divine gift. That word granted that we get in this passage, it really carries connotations of a blessing that's bestowed upon someone. Our life, our faith, and our suffering, they're all a gracious gift from our God. And why was Paul in prison? What conflict did he have with the Romans? That he was spreading the gospel. That's the conflict. Paul declares, just as Jesus promised, that if you are living a life worthy of the gospel, you will experience hardship because of that. You are going to be swimming against the current of culture, and that is going to be hard at times. That's as true today as it was back then. You are going to have conflict in this world, but take heart because Jesus has overcome this world. If there is therefore any exhortation in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any tender mercies and compassion make my joy full by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, doing nothing through rivalry or through conceit, but in humility, each counting others better than himself, each of you not just looking to his own things, but each of you also to the things of others. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So here we get another call from Paul that his joy can be made more full by believers at Philippi coming together for Christ and for Christ's kingdom advancement. It's a resounding call for unity. As Christians, we should find our identity in Christ, and when we do this, we put Christ first and everything else second. Then that becomes our source of unity. We can disagree with other things, but our love of Christ, our desire to glorify Him, to live obediently to His commands, and the urgency that we have to spread the gospel, these things end up trumping everything else that could divide us. Our other differences, those trivial things, they seem almost petty in comparison. It's a call to humble service to Christ and a humble service to our fellow man. Matt Chandler reminds us that if the gospel is true, your life should look like it's true. If you have been united with Christ, this unity should be exemplified in your lives. Now let's link this idea back to last episode. What are some things that keep us from living a life of humble service to others and a unity in Christ? It's pride and jealousy and envy and bitterness and comparison. It's all those things that cause us to strive after the things of this world instead of the creator and sustainer of this world. Chandler also declares that because of this, proud people are stuck in their own imagination. They spend their lives chasing things that aren't meant to be chased. So remember the author of Ecclesiastes, he declares that they are pursuing Hevel, a fleeting mist, a chasing after the wind, and it's all just vanity. So instead of that pursuit, instead of that vanity, instead of being prideful and jealous and envious and divided, the Christians should lay down that prideful pursuit of elusive joy and instead unite together to worship and to glorify a Savior who offers infinite joy. Thanks for listening. 
unless otherwise noted all Bible verses were from the World English Bible Translation, which is in the public domain. Next episode, we'll be back in the book of Ecclesiastes. Until then, though, I love y'all.